Our scripture today comes from Luke 1, 39 to 55. Mary got up and hurried to the city in the Judean highlands. She entered Zechariah's house and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the child leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. With a loud voice, she blurted out, God has blessed you above all women, and he has blessed the child you carry. Why do, you, why do I have this honor, that the mother of the Lord should come to me? As soon as I heard your greeting, the baby in my womb jumped for joy. Happy is she who believed that the Lord would fulfill the promises he made to her. Mary said, With all my heart I glorify the Lord. In the depths of who I am, I rejoice in God my Savior. He, he has looked with favor on the low status of his servant. Look, from now on, everyone will consider me highly favored because the Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is his name. He shows mercy to everyone from one generation to the next who honors him as God. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered those with arrogant thoughts and proud inclinations. He has pulled the powerful down from their thrones and lifted up the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty-handed. He has come to the aid of his servant Israel, remembering his mercy just as he promised to our ancestors, to Abraham and to Abraham's descendants forever. This is the word of the Lord. Will you please pray with me? God of peace and God of love, we give thanks for your spirit that fills our world and fills our lives. And we pray that through that spirit, we will hear your word for us today. Amen. So last week, right after the Christmas pageant, I spent like five minutes sharing about the song of Mary, that the song that Mary sings when she when her cousin Elizabeth learns that she's pregnant with the Christ. And, and as I just did like a, a little bit, I just noted that this is a revolutionary song about the realignment of society and wealth distribution. And, you know, and I joked that I'd love to address this, but I need more than five minutes to preach on how Jesus was raised by a socialist. Well, turns out the joke's on me. Because, so this is like, like my 12th year as a pastor in a church that follows the schedule of scripture readings called the lectionary. And after 12 years, I, I just know that Mary's song is, it's an alternative scripture reading every year on the third week of Advent. I, I mean, I, I know that the lectionary puts it there because week three's theme is joy and Mary's song is a song of joy and and since I know all this, I didn't need to look at the lectionary schedule last week. But had I looked, I would have learned that every three years, Mary's song is also the gospel reading for the fourth week of Advent. 
I would have learned that this is one of those years. I would have learned that I now have way more than five minutes to preach on how Jesus was raised by a socialist. So buckle your seatbelts. <laughs> now, I'm just kidding. Uh, Mary, was, uh, Mary wasn't a socialist. Come on. Socialism didn't even exist yet. This is, this is just two pregnant women celebrating new motherhood with a, a passionate discussion about overthrowing the ruling class and sending the rich away empty-handed. And that may sound a bit radical, because it is radical. But it's actually really consistent with the central themes of Advent. Mary's song is, it's really like a roadmap of what the Messiah will do and, and what it means to prepare for his arrival. This right here is where the story of the Christ begins. Luke's gospel begins with Mary and Elizabeth. I mean, technically, it begins with Zechariah, who's silenced because he lacks faith to believe he'll have a son. But then, Mary and Elizabeth take center stage. For the next 40 verses, the text centers on these two women. Luke, Luke begins his gospel with the experience and the insights of Mary and Elizabeth, and he rather, rather noticeably leaves out the men. Because, you know, Luke is like, Luke's the most detailed account of what happened before Jesus' birth. That's like every Christmas pageant is based on Luke because it gives us all of those details. But it barely mentions Joseph. That, that scene where the angel comes and speaks to Joseph, that's actually not in Luke. Because Luke just focuses on the story of the women. And that, that stands out. In, in fact, this, uh, what our scripture reading today is one of only six scenes in the Bible that pass the Bechdel-Wallace test, which is a, a simple test that measures the representation of women in literature and film. It asks three simple questions. Are there at least two named women who talk to each other about something other than a man? It's a test that, like, the original Star Wars trilogy fails, the Lord of the Rings trilogy fail, but not Luke's gospel. Luke's actually, Luke begins with women and is actually bookended by another conversation that passes the test right at... Uh, Jesus' resurrection. And, and when, we, when we tell this story, we, we often focus on the women's wombs, on their fertility. But doing that takes the, the power out of these scriptures. Because this, this song is about God, of what God will do beyond the womb. This is a song about what God will do for these women and for us. Because Mary is sharing God's vision for humanity. And it's this expansive vision where everyone receives mercy, where the lowly are lifted up, the hungry are filled with good things, and where God brings justice and salvation that have been promised for generations. And that, that part, none of that feels too radical, but we might get a little uncomfortable with the roadmap of how we get there. Because Mary also says that the proud will be scattered 
the powerful will be pulled down and the rich will be sent away empty-handed. And that's, that's tough sledding if you're powerful, rich, and proud, or, or maybe it's just a little bit unsettling if you read those words and wonder, oh, does, that, does that apply to me? Actually, this week, I, I discussed this passage with a group of pastors, one of whom shared just sort of like some discomfort with some of Mary's language, particularly that the language of, of pulling down the rich. He, he said it reminded him with some of the psalms he'd been praying through and, and his discomfort with the violent language in those psalms where people pray that God like lays waste to their enemies. He, he wondered, like, how does that fit with our desire to preach a gospel of peace? Another pastor responded, shared some insight that being uncomfortable with violence is a privilege of people who don't experience violence. And what she meant by that is that people who've survived violent and dehumanizing assault, people who've been subjected to grave injustice, people who are filled with anger due to trauma, they need space to express that anger, that desire for revenge. And the Psalms, where people pray that violence be done to their enemies, those Psalms provide space for people to direct that anger towards God rather than seek revenge themselves. She shared that part of her healing was to pray the violent psalms until they felt weird. Pray the violent psalms until she didn't want to anymore. And that was sort of her take on Mary's song. Let it be a prayer for change. A prayer that gives us permission to express our anger at how society has enabled some to become just obscenely wealthy while, and well, really at the expense of those who struggle to get by every day. And, and that's a prayer we need because we need change. I mean, just, just look around. That God's vision of justice and equality that Mary shares, it's not our reality. And, and a pursuit of peace that fails to, to challenge the foundations of that inequality that, that doesn't lead to change. That just leads to status quo where we sort of hope things will be different in the future. And that is not what Advent's about. In Advent, we look forward to God's vision of justice and equality, and we repent as a way of preparing for the Lord. That, that is, that's the message of Mary's song. She's, she's not celebrating the fertility of her womb. She is revealing and celebrating God's radical vision for all people. And that can be a little bit hard to embrace because it's painful. I mean, it's liberating, but it's also scary. And, and rather than embrace that scary future that Mary foretells, it's easier to 
sing Christmas songs like, Mary, did you know? Mary, did you know your baby boy would save our sons and daughters? Yes, Mary knew. Of course she knew. She told you she knew. All you need to do is listen to the women. That's sort of the theme in Luke. Women in Luke, women teach us what to expect from the Messiah. They are the ones there at the cross. They find the empty tomb. And Jesus first appears to a woman who shares the news of the resurrection with the world. In Luke's gospel, the women know. And it seems that these women teach their children what they know. Elizabeth's son, John, called people to prepare the way for the Lord by making the paths straight. Here, John, is, John the Baptist is quoting Isaiah, who provides this, this radical vision for a transformation of our world. It's, it's a vision of justice and equality that's, that's likened to a, a leveling where the valleys are lifted up and the mountains are pulled, torn down, which Again, sounds a lot like Mary's line about the powerful being lifted, well, other way around, the lowly being lifted up and the powerful torn down. And when John talks about it, he calls that repentance. And when people are sort of like, well, what do you mean this is metaphorical language? John gets specific in Luke 3. He says, well, whoever has two shirts must share with the one who has none. And whoever has food must do the same. Which again, this sounds a lot like what Mary and Elizabeth are discussing. It sounds a lot like Jesus. Because, you know, in Jesus, in Luke, Jesus' first sermon begins, the Lord has sent me to preach good news to the poor, to proclaim the release of the prisoners and recovery of sight to the blind, to liberate the oppressed. This is the message of Jesus and John in Luke. And Mary's song, it, it announces that vision. Then John and Jesus teach us more specifically how to prepare for that vision, which, like I said, we, repair, we prepare by repenting, by looking inward, asking what, what needs to change in our lives to align with that vision. Like, how do we prepare by, by working to make that vision real in our world today? But, but it's not all just internal work. It's not only about what, what I need to do for me to get right with God. Mary's song, it, I think it, it asks us to look at who we're listening to and who we're learning from. Mary's song, and, and, and really the whole Christmas story, takes place outside the, the places where, where everyone expected to hear from God. The, the way the Bible tells the story, God was revealed in, in the friendship of women, in a fiery, fiery wilderness preacher, among poor shepherds and, and foreign priests traveling from afar. I mean, the, the closest thing we have to an insider 
is a, a priest from an insignificant village who's silenced for most of the story. The, the, the Christmas story reminds us that, that God is made known, God is revealed to those who our first impulse may be to ignore. And, and, and this feels like a, a strange Christmas message. I mean, I, I almost feel guilty preaching this sermon because, because you know, the, the stories of Mary and Joseph and baby Jesus, they're just so cozy. Like, when I think about the Christmas story, I mean, like, my toddler loves playing with his manger scene, and I don't want to, you know, see him by the tree being all cute and come, hey, buddy, don't get too comfortable, for the hour to repent is upon us. <laughs> and, and I think because we have that instinct, because there is so much else that comes with this season, we need Mary's song. We need it to be a wake-up call that challenges us. Because it's, it's far from cozy. It might even be scary, but it is good news. It, it's good news for the oppressed and for the oppressor who are stuck in destructive and dehumanizing cycles. It's, it's good news for the poor, for women, for for everyone who's found themselves on the outside looking in. I mean, it's good news because it's, it's the gospel. It's a way of being in our world where, where our lives are shaped by cycles of repentance, forgiveness, and growth. It's, it's a life shaped by love, compassion, and justice. Right? It's it's the path to salvation handed down to us by our mothers. And Advent is the season where we listen to the words of our mothers and say, yes, may it be so. Amen.